about it. Uh, today we've we've enjoyed the first uh, the first Sunday of Advent, and uh, we'll have this candle burning. That's the hope candle, and um, the next one is is the the peace candle, and then the joy. And then the uh, love, which will be on the 22nd. And then the middle one is called the Christ candle. And so we are uh, enjoying Advent. Advent is, uh, is something that when I was kind of growing up, kind of growing up, when I was growing up, I think I've grown up pretty much like this is what you get. You know what I mean? Kind of. Uh, we didn't really celebrate Advent in, in my house. I didn't really know what it was. I got a German background, crazy, but I I really I really am grateful for the uh, the, the tradition of what Advent means, and um, it's actually been going on for many many years. The word Advent comes uh, it's, it comes from Latin and it literally means coming, and it's a celebration and a memorial of of the the coming of Christ in the future. And that's really the, the, how it started back in, uh, back in the Middle Ages. They started by, by looking forward to the second coming of Christ. And then a few hundred years later, the church, uh, they were celebrating it right around Christmas. And so what they ended up doing was they ended up kind of adding the, the mention or the, the, the intention of looking forward to Christmas and the first coming of Christ. So you've got the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ uh, kind of com- combined in there. And uh, as we talked about today is, is the celebration of hope. And we as a church that's around the world in history uh, celebrate Advent in commemoration of the first coming of Christ to Bethlehem and in expectation of the second coming of Christ in the future. Now, we don't always talk about the second coming of Christ, but that is happening. That is going to be coming. Jesus Christ is coming in, in the same kind of form, in, in a bodily form, like he, when, when he ascended into heaven. He's, he's coming back. And that will be a wonderful time for those who are in Christ, for those who are people of faith. And it will be a, kind of a, an awesome, like an awful time for people who don't know Christ, because that'll be the beginning of judgment time, judgment day. And so we want to make sure that we are ready. Uh, But there's these four different themes that we'll be celebrating. And if we can get those four up there on the screen, if you would. Overflowing hope is today. Next week, overwhelming peace. Uh, Two weeks time from now, inexpressible joy. And then the, the message that will happen. Pastor Matt is going to be speaking briefly at the, uh, at the breakfast on the subject of unconditional love. And so that's the four different themes that we'll be covering in the month of December, which is Advent. All right. And so today we want to talk about overflowing hope. Abounding. Okay, then it's abounding hope. Abounding and overflowing hope. There you go. Thanks, honey. I need all the help I can get. I'm new at this. Uh, okay. Hope. That feeling that something desired can be had or will happen. 
that doesn't really sound too exciting to me, to be honest. That is the uh, uh, Cambridge Dictionary, the feeling that something desired can be had or will happen. I, I hope so. You know, we use the word hope in our culture, but we don't use it in the Bible sense or the Christian faith sense. There's all different ways that we use the word hope. I was thinking of a few of them, and I got a few suggestions from, from people. And, of course, the, the backwards way of thinking about it is, is really despair, right? There's no hope. I don't, there's, there's no hope for this. And a, a lot of times people feel like that's their reality, that this is hopeless. And, um, and, and then we have, well, there's reason to hope. And that would be, like, uh, that would be more like a, a likelihood. Uh, then there's the, the wish, right? I, well, I hope so. I, I sure, you know, I really hope so. But we, the wish part, we're not so sure. Like, what, what basis do we have for that? Then there's the uh, argument or the assertion. And, you know, you're, you know, I, I sure hope so. You know, it doesn't really mean I'm, I'm wishing for something good. To have. It's more like an argument or, you know, a, just a, a, a push, uh, in, in, a, in an assertion way. And then there's uh, sort of just the blind op- optimism, right? Just being optimistic. And there's something good about being optimistic, uh, especially when you have it combined with faith. But uh, a lot of people just are blindly optimistic. And they just, here's hoping, you know, here's that. That's kind of how people talk. And then, then there's the whole insanity thing when you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results, all right? And I, I sure hope this works, you know. It's like if you're trying to get, a lot of times when you're trying to get, oh, someone stole it, you know, those, uh, those lighters, and, you know, you keep clicking it, and you just really hope it's going to work, right? And, uh, and so there's all kinds of ways that we use the word hope, but in the in the Christian realm, in the Bible sense, uh, hope has something that is a much stronger meaning. And everything changes when faith is combined with hope. And in the scriptures, it talks about this in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, faith is the confidence. Now, it's not just, well, I, I, I'm wishful, I'm wishfully thinking. I'm I'm, you know, I, I hope so. But faith, if you combine faith with your life and combine faith with your hope, it becomes something that is more substantial. In fact, this word confidence, it's like a foundation of a building. And it's the strength of, of our lives. And if we have faith, the Bible says faith is the confidence or the substance, the being sure or the assurance of the things that we hope for, that they'll actually happen. Faith is that, is that confidence that we can have. Now, hope and faith are a little bit different, and, and faith, we know we can have faith for salvation for now, and we can have faith for salvation in the future, and that's where hope comes in, because hope is for the things that we don't have yet. It's uh, this may not be rocket science, but it's a, it's a scripture in the Bible. So I just thought I'd I, I've been trying to to study and look at what the scriptures have to say about hope, and it says in Romans that we were given this hope when we were saved. 
Now, of course, we're saved by faith, and it's a spiritual thing, and we can't see it, but we have this faith, and we have this salvation right now. We have this faith right now, this salvation right now, but there's something for the future, and that's where hope comes in. We haven't got everything yet. It's not all evident. There's still coming a time when we, have, uh, when we, ha- when we will have more. There's more to come. And uh, this, the scriptures talk about hope, and they talk about Abraham. And this is one of my favorite scriptures in the, in the Bible. Uh, I, I say that a lot about a lot of different scriptures because, you know, after a while you get a lot, of fa- a lot of favorites, I guess. But in Romans chapter 4 and verse uh, four, 18, it says, Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Now, here's a guy who's married to a very beautiful woman, and we know that she was beautiful because people kept trying to steal her away from Abraham. But they're in their 90s now. And they've been promised that they would have children. In fact, God told Abraham one time, and of course, you know when you go out camping and there's no lights around and you go outside and the stars, it just there's so many stars. And Abraham was, told, was led by God. He says, go out. I want you to go and look at the stars. And now start counting. And of course, you can't count them all. Uh, and, and Abraham was told, this is how many how your offspring will be. In the meantime, he's 90-something, and he, he hasn't got any kids. <laughs> and he's promised that his wife, Sarah, would give him a child, that they would have a baby between the two of them. And it just, you know, it was against hope. It didn't make sense. It was, so, it was just so unlikely. But Abraham, even when there was no hope, He actually believed in hope, and he trusted in God. And that's where the Bible says this faith was counted to him as righteousness. That kind of faith where, you know, there there may be that there's no actual hope that you could think about, but you believe God anyway. You believe God. It's not about, well, I okay, I hope so, but it's an actual belief. There's nothing that my God cannot do. I don't see it. There's no logical reason to expect this, but I'm going to expect it because God is able. So our faith and our hope are so closely tied together, but our hope is something that is very strong because it's a hope in in God himself. Our hope is not in circumstances. Our hope is not in, uh, in the situations or in our own strength or in our own abilities to get things done, but our hope is actually in the Lord. My hope is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And he is the, he is the one. And uh, I, I was looking at the scriptures. I've done a lot of research this week, and I've tried to pare down and, and sort of decide how I'm going to present this message today. But I want you to, to see from the Scriptures what is it that gives us hope. Like, where do you get hope from? Well, you get hope from a number of things. And first of all, from the Scriptures. You read the Bible, and you see the promises of God, and you mix those things with faith. You determine in your life, 
and determine in yourself that when I read something, I'm going to believe this because this is God's word to me. And we can say, well, oh, oh well, you know, if, if we allow ourselves to go to a place where we, we doubt, well, that's not going to provide hope to us. We have to mix our scriptural reading of God's promises. And that's the thing. It says in Romans uh, 15 that the things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and they give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. So the scriptures containing the promises of God, we trust and believe in God's promises, and that will bring us hope. So if you feel like, well, you know, I could use another dose of hope. Well, that's one way that we know that the Bible teaches that we can receive hope is by understanding the promises of God, mixing our faith with those things, and believing. Now, for those of you that that maybe you, you don't like to sing in church, you don't like to come in church, come to church early and be part of the, the worship time. I, this is one of the things that is really helpful in, in your life and mine, is when we're worshiping God, what we're doing when we're singing these songs of worship and praise to God, we are actually doing that. We are affirming our faith in God. You and I, we get enough negativity in the world. We get enough unbelief in the world. And just, just, by, just by hanging out, you know, being, you know, watching TV or, or on the computer and all the ads that bombard us with all kinds of negativity and all the messages that this and that. But when we come together and we worship God, we're affirming our faith. And that will bring hope to us if we mix that with faith. That, you know, we get, we get hope from is just from God our Father. It says, who loved us, Second Thessalonians, loved us, and by His grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope. Our Father has done this for us. Jesus Christ gives us hope. So there's those, uh, those, those three sort of things you might expect me to say. The Scriptures, our Father... And Jesus Christ. But what was a surprise to me, and, a, and actually it makes so much sense, and I, had to, I, I have to realize that I really need to hear this this morning, so I'm going to talk to me right now, but you can listen. Trouble ultimately will bring us hope. What? In Romans chapter 5, it says we can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials because we know. Okay, here's the knowing part. And I think for me, if I may just say this, I, I know this, but sometimes I don't feel it. There's a lot of emotion around hope, isn't there? And so God, you know, we don't go by our emotions, but we have emotions. And God made those, and he wants us to enjoy sort of positive ones. Because he made them. He, he made hope. That's his idea. And he wants us to enjoy hope. But what do you do when trouble comes? And I'm whining. And I'm complaining. I'm not mixing faith with anything. And I'm not feeling, I'm just not feeling it. I am not feeling hope. But the Bible, this is, this is how it works. 
we mix faith, we have trials, and they help us develop endurance, which is another word for patience. And patience requires an endurance. There's a time element. Time goes on before, you know, it's like uh, God is not our little microwave machine, you know. <laughs> when we pray, sometimes we pray, and God, God, God uh, I was thinking about my friend from South Africa this morning, in fact, and uh, they have an expression in South Africa. And from, it drives me crazy because I'm not from South Africa. And what they, there they say uh, the word, just now. Just now. It's a very common expression in South Africa. And you know what just now means? No. It means maybe two weeks. (laughs) Maybe two months. It means just now. (laughs) Now, if it's now, that's now. But if it's just now, it could be, you know, it could be a while. (laughs) And God's idea of time is so different from ours. And so when we have trouble and we have trials, we have to hold on to our faith in God, knowing something about God. And then that will develop patience. That will develop patience. And now it goes on to say this. Character, uh, sorry, patience and endurance will develop strength of character. Well, here's a person who's mature. Not always whining and complaining. You know, taking life as it happens and putting their faith and trust in God. I remember I was, I was uh, going through a difficult time and I was kind of frustrated just in general with my life. And I was working in this, in this organization. And my boss came to me and said, you know, you've got to start trusting God. Here I was, a, I was a pastor for 35 years. And she's telling me I need to learn to trust in God. And I'm just ready to slap her. And I realized, of course you're right. I was, I mean, I, in my mind, I knew I was, I could trust God, but I wasn't showing trust in God. And so that's where strength of character comes in, where we learn what it means to trust in the Lord. He's faithful. He's awesome. He is, you know, all the, all the things we start praising him. faith. And so we have this hope or so we have this strength of character and the Bible says that will produce our confident hope of salvation. Character strengthens or will produce, actually, is what the Greek says, our confident hope of salvation. If you and I want hope, let's deal with our disappointments and trials in a faith-based way. I need to learn to act like a Christian (laughs) when life is hard. Sorry, am I confessing to the wrong group here? I know you, you've heard of people like this, right? We need to learn to mix our faith even when times are tough. And that will produce, if we, if we follow it along, it will produce. The Bible says, this is, the, this is not my idea, right? I didn't make this up. I'd rather talk about something else. But trials can help produce hope in our lives if we handle them right. Who knew? And we know that hope is all about, uh, it's, it's actually, it's for this life in part, but it's really all about eternity. Our ultimate hope is stuff we haven't seen yet. 
our hope, our ultimate hope. And I, I love this scripture in Titus 2.13. And there's, there's more on the screen. We're not going to go through them all. Uh, they will be online, God willing, on Tuesday. If you want to, to see these notes, they, all, this, all this, the screens will be uh, on, uh, on our uh, website. Uh, Titus 2.13, we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Man, I wish I talked like that more often. I'm going to say that again because I don't usually talk like this. I don't know about you, but this is so right. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. My, are we looking forward to that? I mean, we know it's going to happen, but we'd rather just have a million bucks. Wait a second. (laughs) It'll get way better than winning the lottery. Come on, we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. That's, that's so rich. You know, hope can really change our life. And there's, there's four different areas that I wanted to just bring out. And again, from the Scriptures, in my research, I saw these and I thought, you know, this is just so good. I've got to kind of camp here this morning just for a little bit on these applications. And, of course, uh, Friday night I went to the hospice where, uh, where Ken was being cared for, Ken McLennan, who passed away. And I had heard uh, that he wasn't doing well. He might not make it through the night. So I, I was busy with some things. And as soon as I could, headed up there to Surrey, near Surrey Memorial. And I arrived and Ken was gone. I missed them by about 10 minutes. The family was all there. There was kids and in-laws, and it was, uh, there was probably seven or eight of us there all together and around his bed. And, 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 you know, they asked me to pray. And one of the things that just came to me was this first uh, scripture that I have here for you, and that is that we do not grieve like people who have no hope. Now, It doesn't mean we don't grieve. And I think it's important as Christians for us to realize that grief is something that God made. We're supposed to grieve. It's the price of love. That's really what grief is. It's the price of love. If we don't love, it doesn't really matter. Then we're fine. But grief is something that, you know, we can lose. We can lose all. There's all different ways that we grieve. But for for this family, you know, the reality is that Ken is absent from the body, but he's with the Lord. Like, that's the reality. We have this, this substance to our hope because of our faith in Jesus. That we have this hope, and so we don't grieve in the same way. We don't grieve with a hopelessness. We grieve with a hope. And there is a real loss. And, you know, he's too, well, he's too young. Who's, who's not too young? He's like the same age as me, pretty much. And, I, and I'm looking at this dear man, and I'm thinking, oh, wow. Just, I, I don't feel like I'm ready to start packing it in. You know, if I'm going to go to heaven, I, I'm, I'm down for that. But I, I just, 
You know, I just think he's too young. And you know, we prayed and we seek the Lord and we, there's a mystery all involved with God's, you know, God's faithfulness in regards to healing and, and all of that. But now, now he's with the Lord. And, and now he, he's waiting for his, his heavenly body, right? And, and the, the, I want to tell you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we, but we will all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. The Bible says that. And so we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. And we don't grieve like those who have no hope. So important at a time like this, especially. But in lots of, lots of other ways as well. Now, hope is part of our uh, spiritual armor for warfare. And, you know, when we're engaging in, in prayer... I know I, I really need to hear this, so Mike, preach at me. You know, when we're praying for things and we don't see change that we would want to see, we start hearing all kinds of bombarding doubts and lies and, and you're not good enough and your prayers don't matter and, you know, what kind of a Christian are you anyway? If you had some faith, this would be this way or that way. You know, all those lies. We need to put our, our helmet of hope on. I'm trusting in God, not me. I'm trusting in my heavenly Father, and there's nothing He can't do. My part isn't to make it happen. My part is to pray. So I can pray. I can pray for my kids. I can pray for this situation, that situation. And I might not see what I want to see, but I can still pray and believe that God has an answer. And I don't have to listen to the lies. Put on that helmet of hope. Let me just read it here. Uh, Those who live in the light should be (laughs) clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence or hope of our salvation. Amen. I know you never think about money, but I do too often. Now, this scripture is for the rich. Any rich people in, in the room? (laughs) <laughs> There's some of you that are uh, that are aware. You, you know, did you have any hot water in your tap this morning? You had to have a thousand servants to go and get them hot water. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God. And I I I wrote down this question. Uh, because, you know, those of you that didn't raise your hand about being rich, okay, so now if you're poor, should the poor trust in God about their money? Or should the poor trust in, in, a, in money that's not coming? <laughs> Come on, we're going to trust in God with regard to our dollars and cents. This can change our life. Because, you know what, I can look back in my life, and I know the, the, the hand of God has, has been with us, and we've been through good decisions and bad decisions in terms of stewardship, but God has always been so faithful to us. And my testimony is from my family, my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, that we've been tithers and God has been faithful to us. Amen. Come on. We can put God to the test. I went on a bit of a rabbit trail and just lost my train of thought. But we can, we can, we can put our... Oh, I know what I was going to say. 
There's been times in my life where I've been kind of depressed about the money or lack of same. I don't know. Has anyone else? Come on, just admit it. Have you, have you ever been sad about your financial condition? Does it affect your emotions? I want to tell you something. This can change our emotions. This can make us feel better if we will trust in God instead of riches. Why not? Because you know what I found? My life didn't really change a lot. I was happy about it. I was sad about it. My life was still pretty much the same. Live in the most beautiful place in the most beautiful country in the most wonderful world in the whole universe. Come on. So Surrey, White Rock, where else are you going to go? I don't want to live in Bali. I mean, it might be nice to visit, but I don't want to live there. This next one, I'll tell you what, I'll step on some toes right now. Are we ready? Uh, relationships, 1 Peter chapter 3. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They trusted God and accepted the authority of their husbands. <gasps> they hoped in God. And I want to talk about relationships. I don't want to talk about men and women. And, of course, that culture was way different than it is today. Thank God for the wonderful freedom that women have enjoyed in Western society, especially in Canada, especially in these days. Now, there's still room for improvement. But, you know, you can vote. You're a real person. You can own property. That's really cool. And there's more. But, but the point being isn't about whether or not women should totally, you know, by the way, guys, the next verse doesn't use the word hope, otherwise I would have included it. But it says, treat your wife properly or else your prayers won't be answered. Come on, guys. Lay down your life for her. That's how you treat her properly. That sounds a lot like submission. Just saying. Lay down your life. I'd rather say yes, dear, and wash the dishes myself. But women, trust in God. All of us together, if we have relationship issues, if there's people in your life that are just creating just angst in your life, don't trust that they will change. Trust in God. Because they probably won't until you do. <laughs> and I don't want to make light of any situation. Uh, I'm not talking about abusive situations and staying in there. I'm talking, you know, we have to use wisdom. There's a, this is a big topic, which I don't have the opportunity to go into fully. But let's add this to the mix. Okay? Let's add this to the mix of our relationships that we're just generally speaking, we're going to have people, we're going to be people who, of faith who trust in the Lord. Even if someone says bad things to us or treats us poorly or, you know, you know, doesn't do the dishes when we ask or whatever it is that we're annoyed about. I know annoyances happen. My wife gets annoyed with me a lot. So that's, that's how I know. Just kidding. But we need to, we need, all of us, we need to put our trust and faith in, in the Lord and it will help us in our relationships and our friendships. Come on. God is, God is awesome. So those are some applications. And, and the, the best thing about, about hope is that it's connected to um, our access to the presence of, of the Lord. 
It's, it's, we have this hope that it's strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, and it leads us through what used to be a divide, and we could say a divide of unbelief. We can now have faith and confidence to enter God's presence. Your prayers matter. Your prayers count. God loves it when you sing to him. God loves it when you worship him. And he wants you and him to be tight, to have a relationship. And because we have hope in the future and hope in our salvation, we can enter with confidence and boldness into the presence of the Lord. It's a privilege. Man, you read the Old Testament. It can be hard, hard, <laughs> hard to read sometimes. But the point is this, holy, this holiness thing. God is holy, and anyone who comes to him must be holy. You know, we got to have that all sorted out, and it comes from the grace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through what he did on Calvary. That's how we can have hope in this world and come to God and, uh, and know his goodness. There's one more scripture I'm going to share, and then we're going to have our communion time. And that is this, and I, I, it's in uh, Romans chapter um, 15. It's, it's, a, it's like a benediction. It's a blessing. And let me just say, when, when I read a prayer in the Scriptures, we believe that the Scriptures are, uh, are anointed. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. And the, the Scriptures are... Uh, the expression of God's will. So when there's a prayer like this, my personal belief is that uh, this is the Holy Spirit's will for us. Like he kind of wants us to kind of join with this prayer, mix our faith with this prayer. This is God, God's heart for you and for me. And so what I'd like you to do when we read this, when I read this, is I'd like you to just kind of drink it in. I, I just, this is, this is one of my favorite scriptures. I pray that God, the Holy Spirit anointed prayer, I pray that God, who is the source of hope, will fill you completely, fill you completely with joy and peace because you trusted him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Overflow, overflow, overflow in your hope to the Lord. I'd like us to, um, to pray in a moment here. Maybe if I could ask Graham to, to come and just play. We're going to get ready for our communion here. Those that are um, serving, if you want to go ahead and come. But I just... While they're doing that, please don't allow any distractions to, to make you miss this. If you're here today and you think to yourself, you know, I, I'd like to really believe this. I'm not sure I do. I'm not sure uh, I've ever connected with God that way. I want you to know that God loves you. I, I want you to hear this. God knows your name. He loves you. And he wants you to, to know him personally. You can know God. You can know God personally today. And it happens this way. 
We affirm the fact that we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That's sort of a a yes or no answer. Do you believe that Jesus died in history according to, you know, all the history books that we have? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Or are those 500 people that saw him, are they all mistaken? The ones that died for that testimony. I believe that we can know the facts, and and yet it doesn't really change much on the inside. But we can embrace those facts and say, yes, God, I believe, and affirm it as an act of faith. And Jesus said this. He says, I want you to, to turn away from your old ways. I want you to repent, and I want you to turn, and I want you to follow me. If you're here today and you've never made that personal commitment to Christ to follow him in your life. And I mean intentionally, as you can look back on this time, I that's when I made that decision. Now could be a very good time to make that decision, to receive Christ. Jesus wants to come into your life and change you on the inside, from the inside out. We don't try to get better so that we can deserve stuff from God. We allow God to come into our life and change us from the inside out. And I'm going to pray for you. Let's just all just bow our heads just for a moment here. If you'd like me to pray for you, if you're saying, yeah, that's me. I want to do that right now. Just raise your hand real quick, and I will pray for you. Is there anyone that would like to make that commitment right now? I want to serve God. I I want to follow Jesus. I want it to be personal in my life. Anyone at all? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Well, this is the kind of prayer that you can pray to, to, to know this. Just say a whisper prayer. Why don't we all just say this out loud together? Dear Lord Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. I want to turn away from all of my old ways. And I want to follow you. Come into my life. Make me new on the inside. I trust in you. Thank you for your love for me. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. For we have this hope. Yes. This morning we're going to continue our worship service and conclude it with communion. And at Life Church, we believe that communion is for everybody. Uh, you might be here today and you just made that commitment to the Lord yourself. And this can be an act continuing that step towards Jesus. You would take the communion with us, which is a meal in the Bible, which we use as a representative by bread and by a small cup of grape juice, and and you can join with us. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you have no intention of being a follower of Jesus, we would ask you not to take part in communion today, uh, because this is for people that are followers of Jesus. In the book of Luke, we have, if you'd like to just hand out the elements here, that would be awesome. 
Okay. Yeah, just grab it and hang on to it. Thank you. Thank you. In fact, why don't we just sing as this is getting handed out today? I believe in God our Father. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three and one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let's sing I believe again. Come on. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that He will rise in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In the book of Luke, we have the account of Jesus instituting the first communion. And He gathered His disciples together. And it says, and he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So this morning we take the bread. I'm going to pray and we're going to take it together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your sacrifice. Thank you for your body that was broken for us, Lord Jesus. We're so grateful and we remember today and we join with believers around the world who affirm that you indeed died and rose again. Thank you for your body that was broken for us, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much. Let's take the bread. Likewise, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Let's hold the cup up. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you so much for your blood that was shed for us, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, that we come to you boldly before your throne because you have shed your blood for us. It's by the shed blood of Jesus that we can be saved today. It's by your blood, Lord Jesus. It's not by anything that we've done. It's only through you. We remember together and we join with people around the world today in remembrance of your sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we close today, I send you with a blessing. Go with hope. Go with peace and go with joy. And know that God is for you. And if he's for you, then who can be against you? 
Come on, let's go live it out to the world around us, church. Amen.